number two of Sports Talk begins with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. We look forward to being joined this hour by Vince Ferrara as he uh, will share Vince's views, which is his blog that you can see. Um, and there's also the Vincenzo's views, which is the podcast, which you can hear. So there, there's the blog that's on 991thesportsanimal.com. There is the podcast, which is available where all the best podcasts are. But uh, we are pleased to have Vince join us this hour. Vince, how are you? I'm good, John. How are you guys doing? Big thumbs up. No doubt about it. But uh, you look at what has been a very productive week or within the last few days, Tennessee basketball adds a player on Friday, and we have seen two newcomers to the class of 21 for Tennessee football as well as a walk-on linebacker for this upcoming season. What have you made of, of all the activity? Well, E.J. Anasicki, obviously a need position for Tennessee basketball at 6667, depending on what publication you're looking at. But he's 245, he's put together, he's skilled, and he fits the Rick Barnes profile of the type of player with the work ethic, the gym rap that you saw with Turner and Schofield and Williams, those kind of guys. He has the character, the work ethic, and the skill set that they were looking for to fill that need. Ideally, would you like to have someone that's a couple of inches taller to maybe give you some of that defensive presence that a Kyle Alexander could? Sure, but just having the length doesn't guarantee that you can get on the floor. I mean, I think we saw that with Uroš Plavsic. Yeah, he'd love to have a seven-footer there, but he wasn't ready to go. Maybe he will be, and he can give you some of that length that you're ideally looking for. But right now, you'll take the skill set, the package, and then another thing is the experience and leadership. Uh, those things are still needed. Yeah, Fulkerson, Pons will be upper classmen on this team, but overall, the rest of the roster will still be pretty young. Jalen Johnson transferring. So uh, I think an excellent pickup and one that really fits the, the Tennessee brand and his connection to Tennessee with his sister Nikki I think it really helped them that he already knew the campus when he was considering all those other schools. So great get up and makes a whole lot of sense for, for everybody. Um, as, as far as the additions, I think you continue to see that Tennessee is looking to add playmakers. And you know, the 2021 class is one that I, I think is going to provide a lot of those kind of players. And you saw that, you know, the, the running back, uh, I think he is he's maybe not the ideal size that a Jeremy Pruitt might want in a running back, but when you're a track guy and you have that kind of breakaway speed, it tells you that Tennessee is looking to add that, and they, they want that home run hitting ability. Tennessee just has not had enough of that. Now I think they've addressed some of that in this class, especially at the wide receiver position, where they have multiple guys, and uh, then, uh, then uh, you know, obviously besides their running back and you, the guys, excuse me, a wide receiver, then you already have an explosive guy, a couple of them in Gray and Chandler in your backfield. But you need more of them. You need to keep a regular flow of them. So I, I think that's what that shows is Prue recognizes, and Jim Chaney and the offensive staff as well, that they need more game changers. So – doesn't surprise me that they've gone in that direction with some of those skill guys in that 2021 class. 
If you have a question or comment for Vince, 656-9900, 656-9900-STAR-990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. One thing that will be interesting to see as uh, these we now look at all programs that are making their way through this point in time, this very unique point in time, without the ability to uh, operate spring practice, but what do you think in terms of the ability to reach, work with, and uh, confer with your team via the virtual tools and, and all that the SEC has relaxed its stance on? Yeah, love it. Not surprised that they went in that direction. I would have been surprised if they didn't. And it's something you have to do uh, for football. You know, Greg Sankey kind of alluded to it when he did his teleconference uh, a week or so ago that, hey, that we, we have to prepare – for the football season in best ways we can, you're like you're almost certainly not going to have any sort of spring practice. I don't see how that is going to happen at, at all, and so you need to make up ground somehow. Every kid is is different with their home situation, but it sounded like Jeremy Pruitt uh, was able to get all or most of his team together for uh, a video teleconference call. Uh, that he, I think he did yet said he did uh, yesterday or the day before. Uh, so you know those guys, even if they have to kind of pair up uh, at one person's house or whatever that has internet or Wi-Fi or, uh, or good enough to to do a video call, uh, I think you'll see them utilize that time. There's obviously some limits on what you can do. You're not going to well, want to be coaching them all day long. They have to think about their health and their families at the same time, but to keep them engaged and to keep that learning curve going, I bet you those guys, it's going to be mentally healthy for them to be able to think about football, learn football during this period of time. And because this is, this is sort of their job besides the online classes for them. And it's tough enough in their situation. You don't want to take away all of the fun that, that they have in the, the sport of football. And I think it, it can be very healthy for them mentally, and uh, I'm sure they want to be as prepared as possible. So a good move by, by the league, and, um, and I would expect them to take full advantage of that until we get back to some sort of normalcy and whatever that is, whether it's mini camps or extended fall practice, however they end up doing it when we get on the other side. And I think we will at some point. Uh, I think it's healthy for them. It's a, it's a good thing. Vince, uh, I wanted to ask you this, and this is going to have to come with uh, a supposition. Let's suppose that they clear the way for practice or some type workouts on July the 1st for college football. Do you think – that that will uh, allow the quarterbacks and the incoming receivers, and Tennessee got four really good ones on paper. It's one of the better wide receiver groups in the country. Do you think that can benefit them to get on the field and and perhaps build up a chemistry even though they miss the spring? It will because I think a lot of what you're going to see if if they do – Jimmy put together like Ross Bjork from Texas A&M kind of threw out there that he expects – you know, when they get back to it, that they will allow some sort of mini camps in July. So if they do that, say like you mentioned in your scenario, uh, July 1st, 
I think it'll be a short period of time, and you're not going to see any sort of pads or anything. It'll be light workouts. So I think the quarterbacks and receivers, because they'll be working against the air in shorts more than likely, I think they can benefit as much as anyone else. So, yeah, I do think so. Now, do you get the same sort of reps and chemistry that you could get working on your own or doing seven-on-sevens in the summer and putting in a more regular work in addition to what you're, you're in addition to spring practice, they're not going to make up all that ground. But I do think that the quarterbacks to receivers, I, I think those two positions will probably benefit even with the lighter stuff as much as any other position. And what did you think of Tennessee getting Walker Merrill, the wide receiver uh, from Brentwood, number six rated player in the state, Six one one seventy six. Your thoughts on him? Yeah, good player. He's a, another guy that uh, continues to to show what Jeremy Pruitt got, is getting done in the state. They had ten in-state players from last year's class, and they're at already beefing that up uh, in this year's class. So really good tape, both uh, sophomore and junior tape. Uh, like his quickness, and I think he's another guy that at six one, look, he still has the ability to to potentially even grow. He'll certainly fill out when he gets to Tennessee. So um, highly thought of player, good get, and then in the in the state as well that gives you a good competition that they're facing also. So uh, I think a ton of positives with Walker Merrill. Six five six ninety nine hundred. If you have a question or comment for Vince Ferrara, six five six ninety nine hundred. Star nine ninety is free for AT and T and U.S. cellular customers. The toll free number one eight six 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 five six ninety nine hundred. We'll get a break. We've got more with Vince coming up as you listen to Sports Talk on ninety nine point one, the Sports Animal. Um. Not so much our job as it is our obsession. Ninety nine point one, the Sports Animal. <laughs> Sports Talk continues. I'm John Wilkerson with Jimmy Himes. We'll have more with Vince Ferrara in mere moments, but we do want to check in again, as we do about this time each day, with our sister station, News Talk 98.7, as we're joined by Bob Yarborough. Bob, how are you? Hey, John, I'm doing well, guys. Thank you much for having us in to give the latest here on COVID-19 and how it's impacting our area as well as the state. And we'll start today, as we typically do, with uh, new numbers, because these new numbers statewide are released at 3 o'clock our time. So the Tennessee Department of Health now reporting 2,239 cases of COVID-19. That's in the, uh, the statewide again. That's up from 1834 yesterday. 175 people hospitalized. 23 fatalities connected to the virus here in Tennessee. And 121 people in the state have recovered from COVID-19. So let's zero in on Knox County right now. The health department confirms 63 cases in Knox County, which is up from 57 yesterday and one death in the county from an individual considered a high risk. 24 recovered cases in Knox County, which means they have been released from isolation. Uh, statewide, again, uh, John and, and, and Jimmy, uh, is that uh, a lot of officials are concerned about mental health through these days during a pandemic. We uh, heard earlier from Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs. Again, statewide officials now are encouraging anyone who has any 
thoughts of, of harming themselves or they just need to talk to somebody to reach out to a friend or a family member or just call one of the numbers that are available, 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. And you can call 855-CRISIS-1 if you need help there, 855 crisis one, if you need help there as well, the behavioral health safety net available for all uninsured Tennesseans. And as a lot of these officials are reminding us, many times folks who might need to reach out to somebody simply are not able to do it. So if you've got a family member or a friend who might be in that situation, perhaps it might be best if you reach out to them and uh, and see if there's something that you can offer. It really is something to uh, to see the numbers. And as you pointed out last week it had been the weekend before where you had seen in that in a very short span 10 percent of what was the entire year's worth of those that committed suicide last year in knox county and this is uh this has been a concern from the outset not just at the local level but uh just for the fact that people know that there's panic there's despair um so if you if you know somebody who might be having an extra difficult time Reach out. Uh, Tim Burchett, I thought it was something. He said, don't care about politics. Here's my number. If you need to talk to somebody, he gave his number. Folks could yeah, call him. Gave his cell number <laughs> on Twitter and has encouraged anybody who just needs to talk to someone to to reach out. But as you mentioned, John, last week in a 48-hour uh, period, 10% of all the suicides in Knox County from last year, which is in the uh, 83 range, there were eight here in Knox County in a 48-hour period, have not received new numbers to, to know if that trend is continuing or not. But again, the bottom line is officials uh, here locally and across the state are just really encouraging everyone to reach out if you need to talk to somebody. And again, for friends and family members to reach out to those people who might be affected by this. And don't wait for that phone call. You take the initiative and you make the call yourself. What's the, uh, what are the best avenues for information at this point in time? Well, we've got a lot of information constantly updating on uh, Newstalk987.com, certainly on uh, Twitter and Facebook, 987 News, both of those social media sites. And as soon as we get new information, we certainly post it on uh, all those, those social media platforms. Bob, always appreciate it. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Yes, sir. See you at the same time. Thank you, guys. All right, that's Bob Yarborough of our sister station, News Talk 98.7. And again, you can find the latest information at Newstalk987.com. If you have a question or comment for Vince Ferrara as he's with us for the remainder of this hour, 656-9900-656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T. And U.S. Cellular customers, the toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. And, uh, and Vince, you take a look at a recent appearance, uh, I guess it was yesterday, with Jeremy Pruitt on the SEC Network with Laura Rutledge. So what, what do you think? The next time that the, a team is recruiting against him, they might say, you know, he's watching Frozen 2. <laughs> well, I'm sure there'll be a, a reply to that. And they'll show <laughs> his, his versatility as well. So. No, I, I don't. I don't think that one will stick. There's other things you can point to the negative recruiting, but hey, it's the SEC. They'll try anything, right, John? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, what was it like to uh, just? And, and I'll say this: uh, I've been very impressed when when Coach Pruitt has had the opportunity to either one talk with Bob Kessling on ball calls or with Chris Lowe and Austin Price on uh, the Nation. It, his message has been first and foremost the safety and security of his players. And and so for that reason, I think that per, we've seen a 
a different side of Coach Pruitt because so many, I think, wanted to pin him in the corner that he's the guy that wanted his his own doctors. He would be the guy that would say, just rub some dirt on it, get back out there and play. But his message has been consistent since this started, hasn't it? It has, and it has come across clearly. And I think, it, to me, it sounds genuine, even for people that are outside of this market that uh, wouldn't have any any uh, preconceived notions of Jeremy Pruitt. Or maybe that's, like you mentioned, that's the only preconceived notions they have is that he's a rub some dirt on a guy, let's get back out there, I don't care about all this stuff. Uh, so I think he has done a nice job of getting those messages across. I bet you that there's the, that will resonate with moms and families as well that it's the well-being of the players first and foremost. And I think probably impressing those on the outside as well that may have thought that he was one of those guys that was all about football and forget the other stuff. He's done a real nice job of getting that message across and doing so, I think, with some sincerity. And, um, look, if he doesn't if he doesn't have his guys healthy and they don't take care of themselves during this period of time, it's going to make it much worse than them missing some reps during spring practice. So even if you are trying to spin it back to just a football standpoint beyond the human element of it, it it is the right approach to take, and it clearly is the one that everybody should be taking in the big picture first because you're not going to have the football without the big picture uh, or you're not going to have it the way you want it. So let's get this right now, and then everybody's going to be in the same situation in terms of practices you would think once you get back and what the time that they've missed uh it, it and then those that that are doing the work on their own like some of those coaches mentioned recently you can find out who's putting in the work who likes to work during that time I mean, they're not mandating it but if you love football and if it's something that can help you out i, I think it is it, it's you will see guys separate from one another during this period of time but those guys still are being told to take care of yourself first and foremost. So from that standpoint, he has done an excellent job with that. Vince, I wanted to ask you about the NCAA decision to give spring sports uh, athletes another year back. Uh, They are going to allow the schools to exceed their normal limits for one year. And then you got to get back to your regular limits. Uh, I think in some sports, they're probably going to be okay, but, I do wonder, and let's just take, for example, I don't know the answer to this, but let's say Tennessee in baseball has uh, only a, a handful of seniors, but they got maybe 12 signees coming in, and yet they've mm-hmm. got to figure out how to juggle this and make sure they're back to the right limits the next year. Do you see this as, um, as a challenge for coaches in certain sports? I do. You know, you're having to, to – break up 11.7 scholarships over 27 scholarship players, 35 total player uh, roster limits, but 11.7 on scholarship uh, out of the 27. My question is, is is why didn't we get some sort of boost to the 11.7? I know the the seniors aren't counting towards uh, your scholarship limits, but what about having to redo that math? for everybody 
Uh, and look, I understand Title IX, to where if you're going to add scholarships, you got to do the same thing for the women's sports and the men's sports. But I don't know how they shake out how many are men's sports and women's sports during during the spring. But maybe there's a number there to where you can, on a one-year-only basis, you can elevate that that number of scholarships. I didn't hear anything about that. Just that those those players that are getting the scholarship relief wouldn't eligibility relief aren't going to count towards your numbers. So I still think it's going to make it's going to create issues for some schools with their money and the extra expenses. Um, when they had a problem with just one assistant, so a lot of schools had problems with just one extra assistant coach for baseball. Now you're talking about the cost involved for more student athletes on your team. Uh, you know, that's something that, that I, I think is going to be more difficult for some than others. And look, for some sports in the spring, kids aren't they they aren't budgeting for especially ones that aren't on full scholarship. The kids aren't budgeting to be in school an extra year, so they may have to pass on this eligibility opportunity to move on to the next stage of their life. So not everyone is going to take advantage of it, but in those cases, like you mentioned, some schools that have a whole bunch of seniors, and maybe they do have pro aspirations and want to come back now you have the incoming on the on the backside how do you divide up those pies the there's for baseball there's the minimum of 25 percent is that still going to be in play or or for one year can you maybe go below that some so you can have you can divide that pie up a a little bit more it already is unfortunate and tough for uh you know for baseball as it is with 11.7 but it, it's it's going to be even tougher now. And look, another thing is going to for I know for Tennessee is going to be the draft. Uh, I was looking at D1 baseball, and they have four Tennessee players in the top six rounds in terms of college only prospects for the league. Now you're going to have high school players, and and so it's not going to be exact. But they've got Garrett Crochet as a first round projected first round pick. Uh, Alex Solari is a second round pick. Jackson Leith, who is the outstanding JUCO right-hander that was off to a great start this year for Tennessee as a projected fourth-round pick, and Zach Daniels, who was also enjoying his best season in Tennessee Orange, he's a projected sixth-round pick according to D1 Baseball. There'll be variances, obviously, but then you're going to have those decisions for those juniors. So is the money the way the Major League Baseball draft is going to be shortened is the money going to be there for those guys? And maybe those guys that you would normally naturally lose to a draft, maybe they all or most of them, probably not crochet, but maybe some of the other guys decide to stay. So that adds to your pool even more. So uh, Tony Vitello and all the college baseball coaches and even all the spring sports, but I think baseball as much as any will have a difficult time balancing it all because in normal circumstances, they have to balance a lot as it is. And from my discussions, as I checked around, I don't think they're going to allow them to go less than 25%. That was not something that was mentioned to me in my conversation. So that makes the balancing act even more challenging. And a part of that balancing act also is, like in softball, when I look this up, they only have like three scholarship players that are coming in, and they may add another one. 
But if you're in a, let's say they had signed 12, well, now they in a, they would be in a mess of trying to figure this out. And in some cases may have to call some of these players and say, I'm sorry, but uh, we don't have room for you. You know, you have to go find right. another home. So that that's something you, that's one of those unintended consequences you hate to see. And also then what happens on the back end of that? Does that mean then we see a rush of additions, a flooding of transfer portals? And then what do you what do you do with all of those that are now trying to change positions from where they're already planning to be because of that? So that un, unintended consequences and the trickle down, I think, could end up maybe having more players in those spring sports bounce around and and try to and try to find a a different home than where they've been planning to go all this time. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, to join us, 656-9900, star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. We've got more with Vince coming up as you listen to Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. Continues with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, to join us. 656 9900. 656 9900. Star 990 is free for ATT and U.S. cellular customers. The toll free number 1 866 656 9900. Vince, of course, it's Tuesday. That means tomorrow night it's in the cage. What can we look forward to at 8 o'clock tomorrow night? Well, we have some great interviews uh, lined up for you. Mark Laws, who's a cut man, he's a guy that's in the cage in between rounds, whether it's with in-swell to to, uh, cut back on some of the swelling or he's fixing fighters' cuts or uh, taking care of them medically in the cage. He's done so for Valor Fighting Challenge locally and regionally, but also has worked with the UFC has worked with a number of the national organizations as well as a cut man. So some, uh, we're going to get into some really neat stories and unique perspective from someone that's been there uh, inside the cage, as is the case with our show, with those fighters. So that'll be fun for him to share some stories with us. And then Eric Turner, who is the president of Valor Fighting Challenge, Southeast Regional Organization, and uh, the head trainer at KMAA, he's a coach of Ovin St. Peru and a number of other fighters. Uh, we'll get into some storytelling with Eric as well because he's in the unique spot of still trying to run a gym, train fighters for upcoming events, even if they don't have exact dates for those events, dealing with the government agencies 
because he's he's runs a promotion. How does that work? And he can he can give us some insight on what the UFC is dealing with too, and trying to put all those puzzle pieces together. So um, we'll talk about what the UFC is still trying to have to UFC 249 uh, as their the main event in an empty arena somewhere. Looks like in the U.S. on April 18th. So we'll get into that. Thank you, Dana White, because he's kept the news coming in MMA during this period of time. So there's no shortage of things to get into. But uh, you'll enjoy some of the stories we'll get into 8 to 9 tomorrow night uh, here on the Sports Animal and then on all the podcasts on Google, uh, iTunes, slash Apple, and anywhere you get your podcasts. And then on the show page at 991thesportsanimal.com as well. Last Friday, it was a Tennessee takeover at the SEC Network. And before we get into the programming itself, uh, how what was it like to see associate head basketball coach Mike Schwartz kill it the way he did as he live-tweeted the, uh, the Tennessee win at Kentucky from this season? You mentioned it. Absolute superstar. He owned that. It was fantastic. Great insight. Uh, coach Schwartz would talk about what the mentality of the team was, what the coaches were telling the players during timeouts in the locker room, what the strategy was going in. It was fabulous. And, look, if you missed it, go to Coach Coach Schwartz's Twitter timeline. You can go back and still catch up on all that. Now, it was more effective than me to watch the game and then have him kind of talk you through. Sometimes he even give you spoilers. (laughs) <laughs> of what was about to happen. Uh, and then and then at the end, I mean, in, in typical uh, star fashion, he closed out with an, an absolute grand slam and putting his daughter Sam out there, introducing everybody to, to her. And there had been video of her uh, kind of doing the stirring, you know, uh, feed me, let's go, let's go, in the stands that the cameras had footage of her. So you put that out there and, had everyone see how awesome uh, she was, and he said she was doing that uh, the whole time that he was live-tweeting. So su- such a, a an awesome job, terrific insight, well done by UT, a super idea, and you know, hopefully down the road we'll get a chance to kind of tap into that, that behind-the-curtains insight that uh, Coach Schwartz gave us. So that, that was awesome. Yeah, I thought it was as well. But uh, while it was a, a very well-done day from 12 a.m. Uh, all the way through 11.59 p.m., what was it that uh, watching that reminded you of while you were watching Tennessee's takeover of the SEC Network? I'm glad you asked me that, John, because it reminded me of a couple of things. One was the fact that we're all stuck inside because I watched almost all of it. <laughs> so uh, that was an indication when you when you like almost live watch the entire Tennessee takeover. It's an indication that you're inside too much, but you need to be. Uh, so that was one. Normally, it'd be in DV, on DVR, and I'd get to it later in the summer. I'd go back and get to it, but not now. Uh, so another thing was watching Tennessee football. A couple of things. One, I was reminded of just how wild and improbable the end of the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl was. Uh, Tennessee, at times, did not play well at all. Jared Garantano uh, obviously played bad because he got pulled and then he got another opportunity. But so many of those red zone misses, being late with throws, all of that. So the, the wildness, the onside kick at the end, 
uh, the timing of it, the, the way Tennessee was prepared for it, just in the energy that Indiana had. I mean, they were game and ready to go. So Tennessee earned that game. So a number of standouts from that game itself and how crazy it was. I guess it was, what, 471 games, something like that, Jimmy, where a team that was down 13 points with five minutes to go was 0 for 471 during the season, something like that. And Tennessee was able to change that. It was it was insane. And then the other thing was that that Tennessee, in watching some of the other games as well, Tennessee had this ability to overcome bad plays, even bad stretches of time during a game, and they had this ability to shake it off and come right back and make a big play. And we'd see that in the bowl game and other wins for Tennessee, whether they were close or, or pulled away in the second half, they were able to, to shake those things off. And I think that's a great trait to have and I, it was another reminder that Tennessee used that ability to shake off the negative, flush it. I don't know, maybe that's a, a, a trait, a characteristic of their head coach. But they did that a lot during their six-game win streak to close out. Vince, I was looking at Todd McShay's uh, mock draft, another one. He's got Joe Burrow at number one, which everybody expected. He's got two at Tungvalu at number five. But he said that he thinks if Miami wants to get to it, they may have to trade up to get him. Well, the only trade partner I think might be there is Detroit because the Giants have their quarterback at number four. And number two, Washington Washington seems set on Chase Young. Do you think that Miami might have to trade up to the number three spot to get to it? I do. That part of it, I agree with him. I didn't agree with everything during his mock draft, but I do think – that the desire to get the quarterbacks is going to move those guys even farther up. And I, I think even though Detroit isn't necessarily a candidate to take a quarterback, they are a candidate for teams that want one to trade up with. And I think yep. that's where that's where I think you get to having to move to that spot, whether it's the Dolphins or anyone else, the Chargers at six. Um, it, there, there's some that think that the Dolphins, I think Adam Schefter kind of floated that out there earlier today on ESPN, that the Dolphins may not be as enamored with Tua as everybody thinks they are. So if that's the case, if, if the Chargers like, say, a, a Herbert or a Love better, then maybe they sit back at six and say, okay, we're, we're good. You guys take Tua, you guys take – uh, Simmons and, and Chase Young and uh, uh, Akuda at Ohio State, and we'll sit here and we'll take uh, we'll take love. But I think for the most part, teams that do want, if they do love to, uh, are going to need to move to three. And then if that move happens early enough and somebody that wants a quarterback is sitting there at three, then maybe someone couldn't maybe try to hop them to get to two. So I don't think Washington is out of the question to trade out, although I don't think they would trade very far back. They'd have to kind of stay in the top five-ish or six-ish uh, for someone that really is desperate to get to us. So I think three is probably the most likely spot, but I wouldn't rule out having to move to two as costly as that might be to get to them. 
I thought McShay uh, was interesting. He's got Love going ahead of Herbert. I don't see that, but who knows? What do you think? Do you think Love could be taken ahead of Herbert? Well, I, McShay and Kuyper, because they're all, always so different, I think they have a bet between the two of them on on which one goes first, Herbert or Love. And I, I, I think the winner is going to donate to a certain, you know, amount to the V Foundation. So they're they're doing it for, for a, a good cause in the end. But they do disagree there. Kuiper has Herbert going. I would lean towards Justin Herbert uh, as the, that number three quarterback over Jordan Love. But I, I think you're going to see both of those guys elevated from what they probably should be because of this fear of not having your quarterback. Um, I if you're the if people are talking about Cam Newton to the Chargers as well, so if you're the Chargers or you have Tyrod Taylor, you supposedly really like Tyrod Taylor, you're going to sign Cam Newton and then also draft a quarterback. So to me, that wouldn't make a, a whole lot of sense. If you're if you're going to draft your quarterback, then you don't sign Cam Newton. You have a reliable guy in Tyrod Taylor to bridge the gap. And the chances are, whoever that quarterback is, you're going to play them quickly. But to bring in Cam Newton and draft a quarterback that high, I don't, I don't see that. So that that's one that that I think we need some clarity on with the Chargers. But I do think Herbert would be a better choice. Love his last year. I know he lost a lot from his previous season, but and he has. From a look standpoint, he's got all those measurables, and honestly, so does Justin Herbert. But I would lean towards Herbert if those are my two options left. But I do think there's a gap from the top two in Burrow and Tua with everybody else at, at quarterback. Maybe Vince, with three quarterbacks, they can corner the market and each one get a snap before they punt, right? <laughs> and each one of them can go – individually greet the Chargers fans that will be in the stands for their games. (laughs) That's right, as opposed to the 29,000 for the other side. We'll get a break. We've got a final segment to this hour of Sports Talk. One more with Vince Ferrara as you listen to 99.1, the sports animal. Making average people feel more attractive since 1876. From the Budweiser Studios of Cumulus Broadcasting, this is Sports Radio WNML. segment to hour number two of sports talk a final segment with vince ferrara to get a question or comment in under the wire 656-9900-656-9900 star 990 is free for at&t and u.s cellular customers the toll-free number 1-866-656-9900 vince this time last week it uh, it was apparent that tom brady was going to sign with the tampa bay buccaneers is it disappointing that he has yet to win a game with the bucks <laughs> What are you talking about? They've already won this year's Super Bowl, John. <laughs> and he won the press conference, even though it was only via tele- via teleconference. So, 
My goodness, what has it been like? In, uh, in Have you talked with many friends back home? I mean, can you still believe that Tom Brady is in Tampa? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's one of those things that helps with, uh, with mental health, kind of like what we were talking about with the players being able to dive into football, just the visions of, of TB12 in Raymond James Stadium, I think, is helping people be able to cope getting through that. The excitement is, is unparalleled other than, I guess, the Super Bowl uh, that they won. And, you know, that, that news was, was tremendous, and it, it gives them the relevance, and you're, you're going to see them continue to add to that roster once you, you get farther into the offseason and it gets a little bit closer to normal. Um, a lot of mock drafts have them addressing the offensive line, which I think is one of the areas that they need to do. Uh, at uh, with the Bucks, wouldn't would like to see them get another back to go with Ronald Jones as well. Uh, and and to me, everyone's high on their defense, and their defense did put up really good numbers, especially against the run. There's areas to me that they can still get better on defense also. So uh, they're they're not they're not the the Super Bowl champs yet, but it has been very useful to get everybody. Uh, at least help them momentarily, briefly, during this period of time to get excited about what the season will be. Vince, uh, Vince we, while we're – go ahead. No, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Vince, uh, we've heard from Kirk Street saying he'd be shocked if we have college football. We've got the NFLPA medical director saying that he's optimistic, and then we got China shutting down the basketball league when they thought they would be starting. So from all that, does that just make your head spin? Does it make it harder to be patient to try to figure out what we're actually going to be seeing down the road? Yes, <laughs> all the above. Uh, I, look, I have taken. I, I'm not. I'm not one that has the the knowledge, and I think many of us are in the same category. So I'm not just putting myself down, but we don't have the knowledge to know how this is going to play out in terms of the impact down the road and with sports. Uh, we just don't know where, where those turns are going to take us. And then, so to, for me to hear that we might not have football yet, I have a hard time going there yet. I'm not saying it's not possible. It might not be right. Maybe Kirk Herbstreet has a lot of doctor friends that, uh, are telling them, look, this isn't going to happen, and maybe that's where he's forming his opinion, or maybe he's putting that out there, and then he will only be pleasantly surprised if we surpass that. I mean, everybody has different approaches right now and different viewpoints. Uh, so I, I'm not one to to think that we aren't going to have football ready to go there yet. You know, basketball, the news today, I, I was more taken aback by Brian Windhorst's tone. I mean, he was he he came across as devastated that this could really hurt the NBA's chances of getting a season in or doing it anytime soon. The good thing about the NBA is, is they're they're clearly looking at the shorter term, but they're they want to find a way to do it without the fans to get through this season. And so I, I think that might give them some more options. Plus, I think they're willing to move the season back. Once you get into talking about football, it's still a ways away. I, I think it's harder to really think about a full cancellation 
we're they're going to be some steps first before we get into that. And maybe it is limited to no fans in stadiums. Maybe we're going to get to that. But until we start to that point, I'm not I'm not going with the flush the season or we we could very well not have a season. I'm just not ready to go there. And I know for a lot of people it's hard enough to take all this in and get through this when you're taking away spring sports. When you start talking about taking away college football and the NFL, that makes it harder. So one step at a time, I'm still looking forward to football until uh, someone really shows us differently that it will be impacted uh, that significantly in the fall. Vince, uh, what can folks find at 991thesportsanimal.com? Still have plenty of content there. Obviously, everybody's podcast, which you can go and find in our audio section. Uh, each of the show pages have audio of everyone's uh, archived podcast, every interview, every hour. It's all there on the website. Play around with the menu tab. We've freshened up and changed a lot. There's a connect menu tab where you can find us all on social media, blogs from a number of our staff members, and even put up a video in our video section of Charles Davis, who does a great job of voicing for, uh, for sports stars. He, does, uh, he, he voiceovers short videos of incoming players into college athletics, and, and the one that's up there now in our sports animal video section is of Marietta quarterback and five-star Tennessee freshman Harrison Bailey. So you can hear Charles Davis talking about Harrison Bailey. That's on our website along with daily content on UT at 991thesportsanimal.com. Hey, Vince, sure to appreciate it. Thank you very much. Folks need to check out uh, Vince's views with his blog, with all the breakdowns that he's got, VFLs in the NFL, Tennessee, and the roster, how it breaks down uh, scholarships by position group. And then, of course, there is the podcast, Vincenzo's Views. Vince, we'll look forward to In the Cage tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Thanks, as always. I appreciate you guys and everybody listening. Stay safe and healthy. We'll talk to you soon. All right, that's Vince Ferrari.